This is New York's Asset Protection Roundtable with Ted Alatsis of Alatsis Law Firm. Our mission at Alatsis Law Firm is to assist you with the three pillars of protection, preserving your assets, providing you help, and protecting your future. Welcome in to New York's Asset Protection Roundtable. Glad to have you here on the show. I'm Ben George. He's Ted Alatsis over the Alatsis Law Firm. You can find him online, alatsislawfirm.com. Ted, welcome in. What's going on? Oh, not much, Ben. Uh, you know, sitting here doing uh, what we can during this summer. Yeah, of course. I know we have uh, baseball, football around the corner. You uh, you take some time to to catch any of the New York teams when they're in season? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a you know, big baseball fan. I think I've mentioned that before. You know, mm-hmm. huge, huge Yankees fan. Um, going through a little tough time right now, uh, although we got to, off to a great start. But, you know, the season season's winding down and the, the important part's coming up. So, yeah, and we, you know, who knows? We could see another Subway series. It's been a little while since we had that last one, but they're they're trending that direction. That would be terrific. Absolutely. Would be a lot of fun. Well, today Mm -hmm. we got a good show for you. We're going to go through the mailbag, uh, open it up, answer your questions. If you have them for us, we'd love to hear from you for us for the podcast. And also, you can reach out directly at Ted. Uh, Just go to lastuslawfirm.com. You can contact us through the website. You can set up a consultation there as well. But we encourage you, anything that's on your mind, if you just want to get some feedback, get an opinion from Ted, you can always do that here on the show. We'll try to bring him on, get some insight from Ted. But, of course, if you want to get a full answer, really want to dive into your situation, it's always best to do that in person. So I encourage you to meet with them after we go through the episode today. So we've got a few mailbag questions. But I want to lead things off with a little legalese of the day. We started doing this a couple episodes ago. But basically, I just want to pull out a term that someone might come across as they're going through a will or the estate planning process or a trust. And just you have us kind of explain it to us um, as simple as possible here, Ted. So today I pulled out disinterested witness. So where might we find this term and what exactly does it mean? Okay. So yeah, generally you talk about a disinterested witness as someone who has no uh, financial interest in whatever document it is that they're witnessing, or at least whatever the signatures um, that they're witnessing. So for example, in the context of a, of a will, um, it's someone who would not be named in the will, is not a beneficiary, is not going to be receiving anything in the will, and is there to essentially witness the signature of the person who's signing the will to essentially verify that the person was of sound mind and body and understood what they signed and read it and, uh, you know, ask whatever questions they needed to ask of their, of their lawyer when they executed it. Um, so the disinterested, which is when the disinterested witness is the person who um, just doesn't, doesn't have any financial interest in, you know, in, in making any kind of statements that aren't true. So that, so that's what a disinterested witness is. Okay, so pretty pretty basic stuff. I mean, it's just that you don't want someone signing the document that has something to gain out of it, right? Yeah, it's not so much signing the document. Witnessing, witnessing the signing. Witnessing the document. Correct. Yeah, witnessing the document. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. So disinterested witness. We'll try to continue with our legal leads of the day. If you have a, if you have a term that you came across that you want us to, to add on the show, you can also send that in to us as well, and we'll try to work it on in a future episode. All right, a uh, question came in here. We've got a three of them today. I want to start off with this one from Aileen says, my parents name my sister as their power of attorney. Every time I go to visit, I see overdue notices, late bills, etc. I'm also suspicious that my sister is using their credit card to pay for her own groceries when she stops for them. If I ever confront her about it, she says she's doing the best she can and that mom and dad would want to buy me groceries since I'm helping. It doesn't seem right. Am I crazy? And is there anything that I can do? That's a great question, Aileen. Um, so, 
we run into scenarios like this all the time when parents uh, designate one child to do you know certain tasks and make them the power of attorney and then you know they're either overwhelmed with the responsibilities or they start taking advantage of it because there's really no one to kind of backstop you know what's what's going on um i think the 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 way to kind of start in this scenario aileen is to sit down and have a conversation first with your parents um to discuss you know, what's going on and to explain to them, you know, what, what you've seen. And then, um, you know, if, if that doesn't really go very far, then, you know, certainly have a further discussion with, with your sister. And then you might want to see a lawyer at that point, if you think something, you know, more nefarious is going on. Um, power, powers of attorney can be drawn up very uh, liberally and they can be drawn up very um, restrictively. So it really depends a lot on what's, in that document and what kind of powers are given to your sister. So, you know, if, if the powers that, you know, your parents gave your sister, gave her authority to, you know, buy groceries for herself or to give gifts to herself, you know, then, you know, she, she may be doing everything that your parents wanted her to be able to do, but it's important to have that, that sit down with the family communication is, is key in this analysis. And then, um, you know, discussing discussing how to you know maybe put some checks in place. You know, going forward may may also be beneficial. Which part of that question raises more red flags to you? Is it the overdue notices, late bills, and everything that's kind of piling up, or is it the actual going out using the credit card, spending that money? Well, it's probably the credit card spending the money okay. because that's probably leading to the to the uh, the bills not being paid. Um, <laughs> you know, so you know, so that's important uh, to to think about and 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 find out why that's happening. Very good. All right. Thank you for that question. Hopefully you can get that uh, resolved, Aileen. All right. Brent has this question for you, Ted. My brother died two years ago. His wife was the executor. She hasn't done a thing since he died. She never filed the will, never opened a probate case, etc. The house and the car are still in his name. Is she allowed to do that? So the, the, the short answer is no, right? So it, it, at the end of the day, a will has to be filed uh, almost right away. And anyone else who'd be a, an interested party could certainly um, compel the production of the will, compel the filing of the will. It's actually a crime to not file a will um, if it's validly executed and you're in possession of it. So, so there are there are penalties for it. Now, how often does that happen? Does that happen? It doesn't happen too often, certainly. Um, and certainly, there are you know circumstances where perhaps a will doesn't necessarily have to be filed. In this scenario, if um, you know the house and the car are still in his name only, then certainly the house has to. Has to, has to be dealt with, right? And unless unless her name's not on the, uh, unless her name's on the deed as well, um, you know, at some point the house has to be sold. And then at the end of the day, it also matters, you know, what the will says, right? So if the will says everything goes to goes to her, um, then you know, really at the end of the day, the, the only person she's really hurting is herself. Um, but uh, ultimately, the, the will is supposed to be filed. Is that something you can help with if, if you're in that in his, in Brent's position? Is there anything you can do to assist that process or is it truly on her to do everything and, and you really can't step in and, and have a point? Well, so so there is a proceeding that can that can be brought to compel the, the the filing of the will. But, you know, generally speaking, a person isn't going to do that unless they have an interest in what's in the will. If uh, if Brent is not getting anything, you know, out of the estate, then what's the motivation really to go to the expense and get that stuff filed so that and, and get nothing. Right. So mm-hmm. so really. So so that's really you know, the issue at the end of the day is, is, is who's the one that's motivated by, by getting the will filed. And at the end of the day, that's, that's, what's going to drive whether a proceeding is brought or not. 
But I guess this too, much like that first question, really comes down to communication, right? Like having that sit down with the wife, figuring out why none of this is getting resolved, why why she's not moving forward. Like communication always oftentimes is the root of, of what needs to happen. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, that as probably the most important thing in, in estate planning and, uh, and dealing with estates is that communication, that family uh, conversation, because at the end of the day, a lot of these issues can, can be um, addressed, you know, just with a couple of, 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 uh, you know, heart to hearts. Yeah. Is there anything that I'm just thinking through this question, is there anything else the brother could have done to maybe gotten this, um, made this easier for this family or is it truly just something that is being held up by the executor? Like, is there any action that could have been in place when building and, and developing that estate plan that could have made things go smoother? Well, my gosh, I mean, certainly a trust uh, is mm-hmm. definitely the, the, the way to go. It's one of the benefits of, of doing, you know, trust planning versus, versus will planning at the end of the day uh, uh, in a trust, everything just goes automatically to your beneficiaries and does not require the probate process. And that's why probate is a, is real uh, it can be a real disadvantage uh, to an estate. Um, you know, if uh, Brent's uh, brother had planned everything and put everything into a trust, you know, everything would have gone to the beneficiaries, and um, none, none of this uh, delay would have occurred. Very good. So, if you want to learn more about trust versus will, what works best for you? Again, sit down with an estate planning attorney like Ted and uh, and sort that out. But Brent, we hope uh, that you're able to move forward with that, and hopefully. His wife is able to get that all sorted out. But we appreciate your question. All right. One more from Greg says, I downloaded some estate planning documents from the internet. I signed them, but I never got anything witnessed or notarized. Is that a problem? Aren't they legal as long as I signed them and I was of sound mind? Greg, um, I I hate to break the news to you, but uh, you've done nothing um, by doing (laughs) that. Uh, So at at the end of the day, you know, there are certain formalities with regards to documents and they have to be followed. And if they're not, then unfortunately they, they won't be deemed valid in any court. Uh, probate is a process that requires the formalities uh, to be uh, followed in order for the documents to be accepted in court. It's one of the reasons why probate takes as long as it does. Um, so if you haven't witnessed or you haven't had your will witnessed and it hasn't been executed in front of witnesses, or if your power of attorney isn't notarized or witnessed, um, or you know some other documents that are, are not properly executed in that format, they're invalid. They don't they don't mean anything. You know one of the the tricks about online do it yourself programs that deal with estate planning. One of the the you know the the, the negatives is that oftentimes the parties who use those documents refuse or or are reluctant to go through the formalities. And as a result, they've, they've really just spent money on printing, you know, paper that doesn't mean anything. So the formalities are very important. Um, the, the, it, it, there's a reason for that. And, um, you know, as long as you haven't followed them, then those documents are not going to be valid. Thanks for the question, Greg. And I wanted to bring this one on the show, Ted, just because I think this is important to point out, because I'm sure Greg's not the only one that's in that similar position, right? Where you think you're doing everything you need to do, when in, in turn, like you pointed out, you really don't have anything to show for it. That, that, that's right. One of the drawbacks of these DIY programs is that they there's really no follow-up um, to make sure that the formalities are followed. Um, so it's really incumbent upon the person who's doing the inputting and doing the, the printing and then getting the document signed. It's really incumbent on that person to make sure those formalities are, are followed. 
Very good. Well, again, we always try to stress the importance of working with an estate planning attorney versus those DIY solutions. And, and hopefully this is another example of that. But if you want to learn more, if you want to just kind of see what the process looks like uh, and, and what it's going to, what all it will take from you to get it done, take that action now, right? It's always, I know it's something we feel like we can put off a lot of times, Ted, as we can, hey, we can wait to do our estate plan later. I'm of great health right now. There's no concern, but it's always important to take that step and, and secure your your family and, and, and your assets and your legacy and, and to make sure everybody's taken care of and you don't have to go through some of these things like we have examples of from Brent here and that sort of thing. So we appreciate the questions as always and encourage you to send them in to us, alatsislawfirm.com. That is the website where you can learn more about Ted and his practice, but also you can schedule a consultation through the website. And again, the phone number to reach him is 718-233-2903. We put all the podcasts up there as well, so please check those out, go through, and if there's anything you have questions with, hopefully we've answered some of it in the podcast, but you can always get complete answers from Ted himself. All right, Ted, we'll do it. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Appreciate the time as always, and thanks for answering these questions for us. Great, Ben. Thank you so very much, and talk to you soon. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.